Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright. It's the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? This week's guest is the one and only Steve Brown and I want to tell you some more information on this multi-talented guy. Steve is an award-winning TV presenter, a public speaker and mentor and he's also a wheelchair rugby player and coach who captained Great Britain at the London 2012 Paralympics. Steve received the new on-screen talent award at the Royal Television Society West of England Awards in 2018. And as a wheelchair rugby player, he was also European Championship gold medal winner. That's very impressive, Steve. Um, You also, I need to talk about this point as well in your bio. You're a free man of the borough of Swale. Can you just explain to me what that means? It sounds like the coolest thing and welcome to the podcast. No, thank you very much, Laura. Yeah. Freeman of the Borough Swell. I think that was the first time I've been properly speechless. It was when I was invited to um, a council meeting. I wasn't entirely sure why. And um, I've gone along and it became clear quite early that I was being asked if I wanted to, or it was voting me in as a, a Freeman of the Borough. Now, Freeman of the Borough is the highest award a local council can give. And it's a very traditional award. It's something that maybe in the past carried a little bit of weight to it. It meant that you could get away with things that maybe other people couldn't, or you had a a bit of a a standing within the local community. Now it's much more a gift of of kindness and something is really just a recognition of your efforts, whether that's for the local council, whether that is for um, charity, or whether that's for um, your dedication to, to sport. And um, really, they just enveloped everything that I've I've done and said we think is is worthy of uh, of an award. The last time the um, local freeman of the borough or the freeman of the borough was given out to anyone in Swale, where I live, was Bob Geldof, and that was in, oh my goodness, yeah, that was in 1981. Okay, hang on, so that's massive. Then, like, you're following in the footsteps of greatness, Bob Geldof. You can be like, yeah, I just came just after him, you know. Yeah, and um, the the absolute big coincidence on Bob Geldof getting it and then me getting it um, all those years later um, was he got it in the year I was born, 1981, and he was 
given it by my granddad, who was then mayor. So, yeah, so it was my my granddad that gifted Bob Geldof the first um, honorary freeman of the borough. And then the second person to get one was his grandson as honorary freeman of the borough all those years later. That is such a a wonderful story. I'm not surprised you were speechless and probably a bit emotional, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my job and my work is to be able to react under pressure, um, try and fill other people with a little bit of confidence when the going's tough and um, to be able to to hold conversation and, and speak to people. But then listening to some of the nice things that were being said about me or why I deserved this. And they was going through my, my biography and it, it really hit home for a moment of, wow, actually I have done a lot. And these people, my local community are recognizing that they see how hard I've worked and I've never done anything for other people's impression of me to change. I've never done it for um, other people to think well of me. I've always worked hard and wanted to do my best for me. And if it changes other people's opinions or other people are motivated by that or want to come and watch it when it comes to sport, then great. I'm very happy for people to be part of that and to enjoy that with me. But no one, for example, was at the gym when I was training to become a Paralympian. No one was there going, come on, you can do this, you can be this. You know, that was very much for me and my, my friends and family. You know, I wanted to make them proud. But then time goes on and, and being captain of the, the country at wheelchair rugby and then you've got 14,000 people coming to, to watch and they want to be part of that with you. Of course, I'm happy to be, tra- um, to be playing in front of them. But I didn't train every day in front of anybody and I've never wanted to do it for anybody else. But when other people join in that with you and you've got people's support, it makes a, a huge difference to to how you feel about yourself and you start to realise how other people think about you. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. And going back to that, as you say, with that kind of huge crowd and obviously, the, as you well know, the pressure that comes with that. But let's talk a little bit about wheelchair rugby or referred to also as chess with violence and bumper cars with a ball. Um, I've, I've had a go myself and I have to say um, it's not something that you could quite understand until I think you do have a go at how aggressive that sport is and how technical and how fast I mean can you just take people who might not know about it you know take them through what it's like and and maybe what your first experience you know about it what what that was like too yeah I can, I can remember so clearly my introduction to to wheelchair rugby I am um, I was in hospital I'd, I'd always been um, quite sporty before my injury and now um, I was laying in hospital with um, a broken neck, paralysed, not being able to, to move my, my hands very well or anything from my, my chest down. And I was in a bad place. And it was my, my dad who, who sort of held a, a meeting with friends and family and my, my doctors and physios and said, look, Steve's not happy at the moment. It's very obvious. Um, we need to do something to, to cheer him up. And straight away it was, it was sport. Um, it, it was the only thing in the past that got me through my education. It was the backbone of getting me a, a job. And now they wanted to use it to get me through my injury and time in hospital. They introduced me to, to wheelchair rugby. And I, I told the, the coach of the local team, yeah, okay, I'll come down. I'll be there on Wednesday, six till nine, like you said, I'll be there to come and watch. 
the first week I didn't go, the second week I didn't go, three, four weeks. It ended up being um, around four or five months before I actually went down to watch wheelchair rugby for the first time. And that was because I didn't, I didn't want to go out in public. I didn't want to go out in a wheelchair, people stopping and staring and kids asking their parents why that man needs to push it around. I was embarrassed. But that all changed when I went in and watched this game for the first time. There I was, all scared and nervous and embarrassed. These people playing were confident, they were driven, they were motivated. And they instantly became my role models. I wanted to be like them, not because of their disability, forget that, but because of their attitude towards life and other people's perceptions. They weren't worried about what other people thought of them. They wasn't worried about other people's perceptions of their disability. And They was doing the best they could for themselves. And that was what was so awe-inspiring about them, their drive and determination to not worry, to not care and make the most. And, and it wasn't just that. I, I was at a stage where I was trying to stay in my wheelchair. I was learning to keep my balance and not fall out. They were trying to knock each other out of their wheelchairs. Now, where we was, was, <laughs> yeah, was quite so, yeah, it was very, it was don't go around knocking people out of wheelchairs, by the way. Like, the police will get involved with that. If you're playing, yeah. but, there's a caveat. No, yeah. but, but if you're playing wheelchair rugby, it's an aggressive sport, you know, where people go around knocking each other out of chairs, and I liked that. There was energy, there was um, confrontation, there was arguments, and there, it, it reminded me that just because I was in a wheelchair now, it didn't need to mean I had to be wrapped up in cotton wool and they yeah you don't have to feel fragile or vulnerable or all those words that I think people can conjure up in their mind when you're in that bad space you know psychologically and mentally actually it's the opposite with a sport like that and it's it's amazing to watch and like I said it's it's so fast like what's the first thing you learn when you start playing that sport is it is it to turn really quickly like how does it work well it all it all kind kind of comes together the chairs Although on, on the face of it, they, they look similar to a, a chair you might use during the day to go shopping, for example. Um, they've got two big wheels and a, and a seat, and, and you know that's the image of a wheelchair. But if you look at them closely, they're much more guarded. The wheels slope inwards, which means they're much more responsive to turning and, and the way that you push and that kind of thing. Um, and they're very much armoured at the front to absorb those hits and those crashes. But when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to training, you, you learn one skill while you're learning another. You know, if you're if you're pushing the chair, you learn to to maybe direct it and get those turns in quickly whilst the ball's being thrown at you, because otherwise you're not going to be able to turn and stop to to get the ball. And it all it all comes together. But there are, of course, particular drills for particular skill sets within the game, and we do hone in at different times um, of training, whether that might be ball skills, chair skills, um, endurance. You know, there's there's lots of different ways to train, but it's not until you're on the court and you're, you're playing when they all come together and you've got to be in the moment. You realise maybe where the gains are that you've made or where the gains need to be. Um, but but they, they mm. the, going down and watching wheelchair rugby shaped my life. It made me who I am now. It helped me with my, my confidence. It helped me with my understanding of my disability. And as much as when you're in hospital and you've got the doctors and physios and other professions, they're helping you get through it and, and do your best. It's not till you're in a situation where maybe you've got a chance to learn from other people and watch how they get on with things. And they didn't just teach me about wheelchair rugby. They taught me about life in a wheelchair. 
and I'll be forever grateful to them for that. And in terms of you know the that's that as a sport in itself, um, you presented at some of the Invictus Games as well with BBC One, and you know that obviously would have helped hugely having that sort of on the ground experience of some of the sports that they do. Was that kind of was that really interesting for you? Was that something that opened your eyes to the other sports that are out there as well? Yeah, I mean, being a, a Paralympian, it means that of course there's a lot of um, cross germination. We we see each other sports. We we see each other in action. Um, I've got friends right across the Olympic and Paralympic disciplines, and it's amazing what you can learn from other sports and pick up ways that they train and what they do. And then when the Invictus Games um, came to light in 2012, um, the, the idea and it all, all coming together, um, to think that I'd have the opportunity to pass on some of my wheelchair skills to Prince Harry and the, the soldiers and be part of their training for that um, was was something that I, I really didn't quite expect. And um, then going from there to the BBC saying, do you know what, Steve, you're pretty good at this talking malarkey and um, the people that you've been speaking to are training um, in terms of the, the soldiers and Prince Harry will obviously get on with you very well. Would you like to come and share your experience of training and working with them and your expertise in wheelchair rugby and become one of our, our presenters and um, commentators for the Invictus Games? And that was a huge moment for me. You know, That was when I bridged from playing a sport that I loved to being able to educate and help other people fall in love with the sport that I loved. And whether that was from the coaching side of it with um, the soldiers or whether that was from the commentary side and the presenting side to the, to the audience and people watching it, it gave me a chance to explain why the sport was so good, um, how the, the rules are played. Because at first, as you, as you mentioned, you know, bumper cars with a ball, chess with violence, um, that's, that's what people see. And, and there's a lot of skill and teamwork going on. And once you start getting that pointed out to you, it all starts falling into place and you start realising the roles players have, why one person could do some things and another can't. And, and um, it takes a little bit of, of explaining to understand the sport because it is not just big hits and crashes, but very technical at the same time. I completely, I just couldn't agree more. And I think you were, you know, definitely the man for the job for that one. So it's clear that sport's always been, you know, massive, massive part of your life. Let's talk about, let's talk about music. Let's talk about whether, you know, I always ask my guests, has music always been there for you? Has it been something that's, that's sort of come and gone? You know, it's clear from your song choices that music has definitely um, historically been like in your life, you know, from day one. But how does it feel for you personally is like a bit of a journey. I know it's a big question, but there you go. No, it's not that big a question. Not, not really, because I'm so involved with music. Um, I before my injury, as a as a school kid, you know, I was a drummer in a local band. I used to um, love playing the drums, and one of my biggest regrets, you know, you talk about jobs and lifestyle changes and that kind of thing, was selling my drum kit when I went to university because mum and dad said, "Well, it's only going to sit here collecting dust." And um, and they they was right. They got rid of it. Oh yeah. no! Well, the truth is, they were moving, and they they didn't know where it was going to fit. When and then the idea was is that you can always buy another drum kit if you still want it when you're back from uni. And and they were right. It wasn't um, 
a false fall, um, get rid of your drum kit as it might come across. It certainly wasn't that. It was more of a practical move. But but even um, growing up, loved loved music. I can remember, you know, the first CD that I bought. I can remember the first um, tape that I played when I got my my first car. You know, in the in the cassette. And I've always enjoyed music. The British music um, is a huge part because I think it's so iconic the way that it sounds, um, particularly like British indie music and that kind of thing. Even without any words over the top of it, you'd be able to tell which city it's made in, you know. Um, but I, I love music. It's helped me through um, bad times. It's um, made good times better. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it that um, I, I love going down the, the local pubs, watching the local bands, um, local festivals, big festivals, gigs, um, you name it. If I can be there, I will be. And is that something that, you know, I know myself speaking personally, obviously as a performer as well, I've missed it so, so much over the last 18 months. Like for you as well, is that something you've missed going to those opportunities of, of live music? Yeah, absolutely. Um was very fortunate right at the beginning of lockdown um we had a local festival which was almost like a drive-in so um you had the bands playing up on stage and you had to stay with your car and it was um you know very um reminded me of you know the drive-in movies and that kind of thing and uh, it was very american you were all pulling in and we're watching it all on the stage from our, our cars and everyone was dancing around the, the cars. And so I have had that one little bit of escapism when it comes to live music. But honestly, particularly last summer, um, the music, the, the weather was so good that um, I spent an awful lot of time in the garden, whether that was um, um, having barbecues, doing the garden up or whatever. And it's a room where you can have a little bit of, of escapism with the, the way that the garden is and the setup that I've got. And I love being out in the countryside and nature anyway, just putting a little bit of music on in the, the back garden whilst I'm painting the fence or cooking the barbecue. That's enough for me. You know, I get lost in the, the action of what I'm doing, the music that's, that's coming through and the, you know, the brightness of the colours and what's going on in the garden around me. Um, you know, it, it takes me away. I, don't, I, I can't explain how much music can transform any environment at any time. Well, let's get into it then. Let's talk about your first choice. So this is a song that always cheers you up. So like a feel-good classic. It might be about a specific moment in your life. Um, just want to remind yourself of really, really happy times. It's Happy Mondays. I mean, it says it all by the yeah. name of the band anyway. Stefan, 1990. Um, tell me why this reminds you of good times. I love British indie scene. Um, when you start looking at the, the bands that come through, um, obviously you think of Happy Mondays, you can't help but think of things like, I don't know, like Stone Roses or The Smiths. And then you get more up to date and you go through the stereophonics, Blur, Oasis. I, I love the, the feel and the vibe of, of British indie music. It's like that kind of grit, right? Yeah. You like that sort of, it's just honest and the lyrics are very honest. It's not sort of heavily produced. No, and I like that. You can, it's, it's almost like the music has um, not gone through that final stage of, of finesse. It's, just, <laughs> it's yeah. like it, somebody's screaming out to go, no, it can't go out yet. But they're going, yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. That's good <laughs> enough. That's good. And, and I like that. I like that um, there's maybe 
it feels like there's more ownership by the band. There's more ownership by the songwriters and the lead singer to say, well, this is what we want. So this is what we're going to do. And and that is in itself really quite liberating. And then when you start listening to the the lyrics and you think, wow, they're really singing about what they want to sing about. You know, you t- um, the jam and when they're, they're talking about the, the papers, you know, only saying one thing or and you start realising this isn't filtered. They've not checked with anyone that this is all right, you know, and uh, they might upset some people with this. But, hey, you know, freedom of, freedom of speech, they can they can do that. And I love that it's, it's edgy, it's raw, um, and it hasn't got that polished feel. And you can recognise it anywhere in the world at any time. You, you can tell um, British indie a long way away. And I think that um, Step On by the Happy Mondays really brings all that together. You know, it really shows the the style that, you know, Bears dancing around with his maracas. You know, that's that's freedom. That's enjoyment. And um, it's, it's great that he can just be there, be part of it, and people go, yeah, that's Bez, that's what he does. You know, and, and it's not it's it's not questioned. So yeah, Happy Mondays step on is is certainly what brings that feel and that kind of music and, and can make a good day better for me. Let's let's have a listen to some of it and then we'll we'll talk some more about where that song came from. So here's Step On Happy Mondays. about that when he says hey you're twisting my melon man that's the bit that everyone knows that line as well right <laughs> yeah absolutely I think it's I think it's it's so brilliant you know that it's um put together well it's put together with um a, a lack of worry for what other people are going to think of it and, and all of that kind of thing but that is why people like it and, and in a strange way it kind of reminds me of when I first went down to, to wheelchair rugby it was they're doing what they want because they like it, and that's why people like them and respect them. And um, it's funny how you know you talk about life imitating art, imitating life, and sometimes it's just a, a reflection of, of what's going on in your life. Sometimes, and then you can recognise it in the the music that you're listening to. Yeah, and I think the music video is quite like that as well. And I suppose now you were talking about, you know, how this sort of music for you is that that sort of uh, that moment before it's it's overdone and then put out and it feels heavily produced. The videos are like that from the 90s, you know, from the 80s, 90s time as well, where it's just them having a good time. And, and you can't help but sort of vibe off that as well when you see that, as opposed to it being very artistic. And don't get me wrong, videos now, money that's put into them, the uh, producers, directors are incredible right but there's something about that where it's simple and it's just just good music yeah and it it doesn't need all that um overproduction it doesn't need because it, it wouldn't fit what it stood for it wouldn't fit the the type of person that is or the type of band that's producing the music it wouldn't fit what their songs are about if they then started spending big money and lots of time on their their videos it, i think their their attitude is very much that I do. Let's get on with the next one. And, um, yeah. you know, they, I don't think they want to be spending all that time and effort and money. It's not in their character. It's not in 
what that sort of British indie culture stands for. And um, I think it's great. You know, they, they put their drink down, move on to the next. I love it. It's a good, great song to start with. Okay, let's talk about your gym sport hype song. So like just to go to, to, you know, whether it's for a workout, whether it's for a sporting event, or maybe it's just something that just motivates you. So I was quite surprised by this choice. Um, tell me about Thin Lizzy, why why this song and, and what it means for you if it's like a, a pump up song. Yeah, Boys Are Back In Town is um, it's very much for me when... I was playing wheelchair rugby, um, particularly at the the higher levels. And you had that sort of of feeling. You have music on in the changing rooms. We all had our our own choice, you know, because as we talked about, and as you you know, and as everybody knows, music can have a very big impact on how you're feeling or or how... Did you have headphones in when you were getting ready to play or was it something you listened to out loud as a group? Um, There was a choice, you know. Um, We did have music on in the changing rooms, if you wanted to have your little bit of escapism, people warm up differently, whether that's mentally or physically. And some people want to take themselves away before yeah. um, they go into to a big competition. They want a little bit of time to themselves, a bit of self-reflection. Other people let their nerves die and calm down with conversation and talking through it and working out game tactics and making sure that they know exactly what they're doing in certain situations. And so... Um, you've got to cater for all that kind of thing in a, a changing rooms, personalities. And that, but, but then your your role, your role leading up to you know the Paralympics, your captain, you've got a lot of weight on your shoulders. And do you feel that you have to sort of be that over kind of overbearing carer in that sense, or or you know how did you sort of feel you captained your team? It's probably a hard question, but it's interesting to know. I think what it is 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 learning how to get the best out of people. Um, those players that are maybe quite introvert, that yeah. um, that maybe don't always speak out and are maybe the type of players that would usually put their earphones in before a game because they want a moment to themselves before it all gets loud and crazy and, and panicky and lots of pressure on you. Um, they're the sort of players that maybe when we was coming up with team tactics, you know, and I had the privilege of saying sentences like, right, how do you not want to beat Australia? You know, what a, a, an opportunity to, to have and to be able to talk in that sort of sense with people. And um, and then you'll go around the, the room. You know, my job as captain wasn't to tell everyone what to do. I saw my job as captain as to make sure that everyone had an input on what we do. Um, and I, that's how I liked to, to lead um, very much. With, with input and buy-in, because then when maybe we was under pressure at a game, I could then turn around and say, right, we've listened to everybody. We've all worked together on this. We've got two minutes left, and this is what we're going to do. You know, this now mm. I'm, I'm going to say what we're going to do because somebody needs to, to take control, and, and that's the situation we're in, and that's what um, I'm here to do as captain. But you can only get the respect in that situation when you take control of something and you get the buy-in from the players if they know that they've been listened to before. And um, and that is and and they need to know that their ideas and their feelings and their input is respected. It it makes me think of um I remember watching Johnny Wilkinson when he was playing for Toulon and he did his team talk. Uh, and then he did it all in English and then all in French. And I was like, 
that's respect like do you know what I mean that kind of thing where he was like I am listening and I'm listening so much that I'm telling you in your language as well how much I respect you because I'm here in your country playing but I'm playing for you it was just I don't know just something like that as well makes you think what goes into a captaincy and and how just like you say you've got to understand so many different personalities so many different dynamics and still actually have your head in the game as well which I would just I'd find really hard so was this did this song come out like just before you went out or was it like a build-up I'm getting excited I feel like I'm about to go and play sport yeah it's great so in the changing room um, as, as we're talking about, you've got those different personalities. Some of them want to keep their headphones on, keep themselves to themselves. Other people may be a little bit more extrovert and the, their way of dealing and staying calm is to laugh and joke and be loud and and, and chat amongst themselves. Um, and I was very much on the fence. It depended on where, where my head was, which side I went. But once you go out through um, into where the crowd are, you know, through to the, the stadium, the crowd erupts, everybody's cheering, everybody's chanting for you, and you go through. I asked um, all the team what music they wanted for those 15 minutes before the, the big game, while we're all out there throwing the ball together, warming up together in front of the crowd. And um, this was my choice of, of song. The boys are back in town, and that's what we came came out to as we came through the into the stadium, you know, with the, the other teams while, while we was warming up and having our last little moments. And um, and for me, it was, um, the, the song meant a lot. You know, we had trained hard for this situation. We're at the home games um, in front of a home crowd with a lot of expectation on us, um, a lot of pressure on ourselves, both from outside influences and the way that we want things to go as well. And uh, this really sort of, have made me feel positive about the effort that the team have put in. You've got to remember in sport, not everyone's always best friends. Not everyone always sees eye to eye. But when you are there playing for your country, it's amazing how much those little problems disappear. You know, it doesn't matter what music somebody listens to or what if they want to play a ball game while you want to watch a video in the evening. You know, all of a sudden, there's bigger fish to fry. And nothing brings people together more than a common goal, whether that's through work, sport, life, your hobbies. And our common goal was to go out there and, and win. And, you know, the boys are back in town. Everyone's working their hardest, doing their absolute most, putting differences aside, spending time away from family to come and train for these beautiful moments that we're sharing together. I couldn't think of a, a song that could put more pride into a situation. Let's um let's go back there then. Let's imagine this is all happening again. It's such a nice memory to repeat. Let's uh, have a listen to some of Thin Lizzy Boys Are Back in Town. good I mean it's also for me like I was really interested to read it was covered by Bon Jovi 
Everclear and Happy Mondays covered this as well, right? So there's this little timeline with your music. There's a lot of like, similar vibes, similar genres. And I think also it's just, it's something where, you know, the story of the the lead singer, is, it's really sad, but it also makes these bands and this music so iconic as well. You know, the time that they were around. And I remember reading something about him saying um, he was so proud to be, Irish even though he was born in England raised up you know brought up in Dublin he was just so proud and I think that's something where you know you hear that proudness in their music and it comes across in their performance but does it, does it take you back there to that moment listening to it? Yeah absolutely and and I think that that's what it is that the song was written with pride um, it's sung with pride and that comes through and when you're out there in front of a home crowd representing your country at the highest level you are proud and you 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 you, you it's right down into your your bones you know that because because you've worked hard for this um there's no no doubt about it and, and it's the same same way as as, as thin lizzy as, as band members all went through very tricky times as part of of what they were doing and their music and, and trying to express themselves and freedom and um that's all anyone wants to do in sport in music is just do their best at something that they love and um the the similarities and the the way that one can lead the other you know music is such an important part of sport um whether it's uh, trying to find your motivation or trying to find something to get you through that that gym workout or to go those last couple of minutes on the treadmill you know you 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 use music as a huge mental boost sport and um Finn Lizzie the boys are back in town when we was coming out to the home games in 2012 was certainly it for me yeah and I think you're right it is true it's sport and music not often do people see that they have a huge common ground I think unless you are from one of those disciplines and then you realize there's this whole world of just like when you were talking before I'd go out and sing I would be really quiet so I'd be one of those introvert people I'd be playing through the words and the music in my mind and how it would work and what it would feel like and putting yourself in that space and so as you say everyone has a different way of coping but but music for me as well as sport is something that unites people and as cheesy as it sounds it does like you say that common goal that's what means that it's it's universal and it's great I think it's so you know it's so exciting um Phil Linnott as well he released some poetry which I didn't realize uh and he released two books of poetry um before his death and I thought I'd read one of his poems or some of an extract which is called Rasheen Dub the name of the poem it says tell me the legends of long ago when the kings and queens would dance in the realm of the black rose play me the melodies I want to know so I can teach teach my children Pray me, t- pray tell me the story of young, and I think it's pronounced Kirkalane, how, how his eyes were dark, his expression sullen, and how he'd fight and he'd always won, and how they cried when he was fallen. So it's almost quite lyrical anyway, in his sense. And a lot of people said, you know, they were just, they were poems, yes, but they were really just songs that didn't have music to them. Um, but there's a lot there, I think. I don't know. Did you know that he wrote poetry? I had no idea. No, the truth is, I didn't. Um, and But now you've, You've just got through through that one poem, and you've explained that he's he's written two books um, of poetry. Doesn't surprise me, you know. And that's because I know from a, a short stint in in music myself, um, 
but then much more I've got a very musical family my my granddad was a, a music teacher uh, two of my uncles playing bands my mum was a singer um, and I know that my one of my uncles that was a, a singer-songwriter, he didn't switch it off. And the same as I would sit down and watch a film thinking about wheelchair rugby and how are we going to beat them? What move do I make if they do this or that? Um, and thinking about very specific moments in a game, not the game overall, but maybe two seconds of what could happen while I'm sitting there watching Sally. I know my uncle was doing exactly the same but about music. He might be sitting there watching the same film as me, but neither of us were thinking about the same thing. He, I was thinking about my sport. He was thinking about lyrics and songwriting and, and what what he's trying to get off of himself emotionally. So the fact that he takes himself away, writes these um, poems or, or, or could have been easily been the start of songs that, he decided to, to leave as as those short little memoirs almost of the way that he's thinking. Um, doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I, I don't think that good music writers turn it on and off. It's just there at the back of their mind, whirring away. The same as top sportsmen, they don't turn it off either. You know, when you're good at something, it becomes intrinsic. It's something that is just happening. You don't know why, you don't know how. But it just happens, and it happens all the time, and um, you can't stop it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen, listen, bitch. Oh, listen, make, make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Uh, I, I, will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both up. <laughs> well, maybe it's just a good goss you're after. Georgie Porter and Sharon Carpenter are your go-to girls on Loose Lips. So it's got mine is, girth, though. It's got girth. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine is quite spindly and, and flaccid. This is like long. Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You, the Wellbeing Podcast. So I just became a lot more productive and happier. Mm. And for me, like, that's just worth it. Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. 
Find them wherever you found this podcast. It's uh, it's interesting you're talking about your uncle there as well and, you know, family. So this next song you've chosen. So I should mention as well, I give my guests eight questions and there's four that you've chosen. And this one's a song from your childhood. Um, reminds you of kind of, yeah, those younger days and perhaps linking to like a strong childhood memory. Um, we're going to talk about police. Uh, Message in a Bottle, 1979. I mean, it was interestingly their first number one as well in the UK, which I find quite hard to believe, but then they sort of blasted onto the scenes. Um, a very specific sound to this, you know, to this band. What what does it mean for you? Does it have a, a specific memory? Yeah, it does. You're smiling, I'm guessing it does. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's not one that you might think. I mean, I was born in 81, so it was a couple of years before um I was I was around but I can remember it being the cassette that dad had in the car all of the time every day on um the journey to and from school oh, okay. pro- oh, it's yeah. always a school journey it's always a school journey people remember exactly what the music was ah <laughs> uh, it was just honestly uh, my dad had a wide genre of music um you know um things like Pink Floyd, Genesis, Yes, um, all that sort of prog rock kind of thing. And then, but he also had um, a lot of things, REM, The Jam. Um, nice. You know, uh, and, but despite this huge, wide variety of genres and music and what he listened to, this was the only cassette that was in the car. And, <laughs> and honestly, um, when I had mum taking us to school, it was Diana Ross. Every, oh, okay. Every single yeah, I, mean, day. I know what I'd prefer to listen to. Yeah. to be <laughs> so we had Di- Diana Ross if mum was doing the journey and we had the police if dad was doing the journey. And I can see... Every- you, know, you know you can very easily take the tape out of a cassette tape, you know? You could just, just literally... <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I know, I know. But I can tell you every um, word of a Diana of Diana Ross's like early early eighties music, just as well as I could the uh, the police and um, but this message it was quite funny because um, sorry th- this song and the messages in it I didn't realise when I was when I was a kid and um, you know you're sitting there in the back of the car and when he's talking about um, you know woke up this morning don't believe what I saw you know the mess the bottles on the shore and. Um, scenes I'm not alone in being alone. When you're a kid, you're just you're you're not picking up the metaphors. You're not picking up. You know, I was I was sitting there in the back of the car, going, "Wow, I wonder what 150 million bottles looks like." You know, you they, yeah. they, you, you know, wow. How did he count all them on the beach? You know, and <laughs> and uh, that's what you're sitting in the back of the car thinking. You can't realise what the song's about. But the thing was, is that tape. And that song was in the car for years, not not just through primary school, but that was the same tape that he was still playing as I started reaching my teenage years. You know how he kept it going? I do not know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, but that's just it. But as you grow up, and this is what I remember about the song, it was, of course, it's instilled, I could tell you, every word, every beat, um, every note of of the song because I've listened to it so many times. But what changes as I grew up listening to it was my understanding of the song. Um, all of a sudden, you start learning what metaphors are, and you start 
realizing what the song means. And by the time I was in my early teens, still in the same car, still getting the same lift from the same house with the same parent and the same cassette in the car. (laughs) But, But now I've got an empathy and an understanding of what the song's about. And that was the only thing that changed on those car journeys. The packed lunches were still the same. The ride was still the same. The school uniform was still the same. But my understanding of the songs that were being played changed. Did you sing along together as well? Yeah, occasionally. I mean, Dad was more of a steering wheel tapper than a singer. Um, But uh, I can't can't deny that me and Mum have belted out a few Diana Rosses on on the way home from school a couple of times. Can't deny it. I might might play a bit of Diana Ross by accident instead. Um, I I, I agree with you. I think it's... It is a great. Are you are you a big Sting fan, like separately of his solo stuff, or it was this very much? It was he was the police, and you know that was that. No, no, no. There's a, a lot of of you know you've got uh, people whether it's um, Sting that was with the police and then went off and done their their own thing. Um, I've got just as much respect for the stuff that he's written for himself yeah. as what I have with um, things like um, the, the the police. But then you've got you know the Jam, Paul Weller. Um, you, you've got, um, I know, Genesis, and then you've got um, Peter Gabriel going off and doing his own stuff. Genesis, and then, and then um, Phil Collins, you know, going off and doing his own stuff. Um, and although their sounds change, maybe the amount of influence they have over the songs is diminished because they haven't got so many band members that want an input. And of course, the way that songs are written between the 70s with people having an input and talking about it now where somebody writes a song and you perform it has changed hugely nevertheless how, however much input other people have over songs and how much um the idea and the, the feeling of the song might change with other people's input and the way they want to express themselves good singer songwriters like sting you know they it doesn't matter um what they're writing about um some of his his individual stuff um, resonates with me just as much as something like Message in a Bottle does. But the the memories that I've got with Message in a Bottle and my understanding of that song as I grow up listening to it every day made me understand music more and that it's maybe not it's not what it says on the tin, but it's but it's much more about well you can interpret it how you want you can take it as you want and the metaphors within the songs you can shape and bend and mould to your situation very easily. I love that. And I agree with you as well. Let's have a listen to some of Message in a Bottle. I mean, we need to talk about the video as well. Covered by 30 Seconds to Mars. Didn't know that, interestingly. And it's number 65 as Rolling Stone's greatest guitar songs of all time with that guitar riff at the start, which I think is pretty high up as well, considering it's not as recognisable for the guitar riff as I think. Um, they performed at Live Earth as well in 2007, came back together and performed like awareness of global warming, environmental stuff. Um, and they had John Mayer playing guitar with Andy Summers and Kanye West doing a rap 
verse over the chorus. I didn't know that either. I I have to like I have to watch that version and see what it's like. Well, this is just it, isn't it? Um, it's it's amazing when you get these crossovers of genres or you get these very different styles of artists working together and the the collaboration. And and very often it's not because of the music being the same but it's because of maybe what they're standing for being the same you know the things that you just talked about there the different gigs the different places that they were playing with the different people all had very different meanings behind them what were what the gigs were for what the festivals were representing what they was raising money for and so very often these collaborations come because they believe in the same thing and there's that mutual respect of yes our genres might be different but it doesn't mean that we can't come together to to show solidarity and a united front for a, a reason or for a charity or for people that need us to. And this is this is what I mean. Um, again, that crossover into sport. You might have your different ideas. You might have your different ways of doing things. But when it comes to the crunch, you can, you know you go shoulder to shoulder, and you you don't you don't want anyone to look foolish, look bad. You just want everyone to be brilliant all of the time. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think also, you know, the police did break new ground with their sound. It was kind of a, you can hear that kind of reggae vibe in the music as well with that mixture of rock. And it's, I don't know, it's that that style as well that I think other artists are drawn towards in a collaborative sense. Like for me, if I want to collaborate with another artist, it's always about, okay, are they in their own lane? They're doing their own thing. And that that's actually really quite um it's quite addictive actually to want to be a part of and then you start creating and that's what's great now is that we don't have any stigmas bar I think a little bit still in classical music but as a general thing there are no stigmas attached to cross-genre music to mixing it up to doing whatever and I think unfortunately for me as well sadly I feel now that music is um, a little bit copycat in terms of structure and sounds because it's such a it's such a busy, busy place as an industry. There's so much music, um, but we're still at a time where I think there's going to be a lot of new sounds coming out. I do feel like though, your, you know, your kind of prime time is is around this era of music where I think you would quite happily stay in that space, which is interesting. But this next song is very different, still. Yeah, it is, and I think what it is is that my life has had lots of different chapters to it from. Before my injury, working abroad and the lifestyle I had there, to then being injured and a lot of worry and concern about how my future might go, losing all of my my confidence, being at, at rock bottom, to then working and coming out the other side to be captain of the country, moving on from there to to doing well and within the TV industry. I've had lots of different chapters, and I think that um, I've got lots of different music to reflect that and for me Cass Elliot and Make Your Own Kind of Music was a song it, it, it fell upon me while I was in hospital um, and it did absolutely fall upon me um, I'd heard it before um, going through life never really thought much of the song and then my dad had bought me a brand new DAB radio to have in my hospital room and whilst he was tuning it in for me going through the stations Make Your Own Kind of Music was on one of those stations and without any meaning to or without any um, idea it was really happening he got left on that at the end of tuning everything in and the song was just playing and it fitted where I was mentally in such a unbelievable way 
know, make your own kind of music, sing your own special song. All just about don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about other people's opinion of you. Nine times out of ten, they're, they're intimidated by your strength of you doing what you want to do. Um, don't let other people drag you down or worry about what they're saying or thinking. And subconsciously, that first time of listening to it, it filled me with a lot of strength and even a bit of, of pride. I couldn't help but listen to it again and then again and again. And um, it's really in a, in a very strange way and it's very different from the majority of music I listen to. But it's uh, a song now when maybe things are on top of me or you know things I am worried about other people's opinions or feeling maybe a little bit left behind I've always had a a position of of strength um in a way I've always um worked as managers I'm the big brother I've always had a sense of responsibility and every now and again um with my physical disability it does impact my mental health. There's no doubt about it. Days aren't always brilliant and, and bright and sometimes things do get on top of me. And sometimes I feel like I've I've lost that, that place where um, I would be the go-to guy. And now I'm having to ask for help from other people a lot. But then it, this song just, just helps remind me that everyone's got strengths, everyone's got weaknesses. And um, for me... You know, now I realise that asking for help when you need it doesn't show weakness, it shows strength. It shows people that you want to be better than you are. It shows people that you want to be more than what you are and that you are willing to show some weakness, show some um, vulnerability to be better. And that is what this song is all about, being confident and having the self-belief to be yourself, not worry about what other people think. And nine times out of ten, they'll think the, the better of you and more of you just because you're simply trying your best. Well, I think we should listen to it straight away with that in mind. Here it comes. Here's some of Make Your Own Kind of Music. Just to do your things the hardest thing to do. But you've got to make your own kind of music. It's that line as well, isn't it? Even if no one else sings along. For me, it's that line that she's saying this amazing thing. She's, um, in terms of her career, she's tried to make a name for herself away from mamas and papas. She's trying to do her own thing. And it's like this shout out to be like, listen to me, I've got something to say myself. And I don't care if anyone else doesn't agree with me. And I think we all, just as you say, you know, you've had some real tough, tough times in your life and this has lifted you up. And I think we all need that. We all have that song or that that poem or whatever it may be that that does that for us. And it doesn't really matter about the genre of this, does it? It doesn't matter about it's for you. It seems like it's just all about the words. Yeah, you 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 couldn't be more right, Laura. The the song for me it, it is a long way from the sort of genres that I would would maybe identify with. But the words in this they're 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 powerful. They um, they can be used to fit anybody's moment or mood you know when somebody's 
nervous or, or, or scared, whether you're just about to go out and perform yourself. You know, this this is about come on, you're going out and you're going to be singing or acting passionately because it's something that you believe in. You don't need to worry about other people's opinions because it's the fact that you're going out and the fact that you're trying your hardest and, and putting yourself out there for and bearing everything to all that is your strength that people are respecting you for. And when you can start to realise that it's, it's when you put yourself into a position where things could go wrong, where you're not living safely, where you are um, putting yourself on that edge where things could, could fall around or fall apart around you because you're willing to put yourself in such a vulnerable position. That's where strength is. That's where you're showing your, your confidence and your belief. You're not living in your safe zone. You're not staying with what um, you know and what people know you for. But you're looking to to push yourself, and you're going to sing it even if nobody else sings along. Yeah, and I and I hope that I hope that that's what happens now that we come out of this time that's been so hard for everyone. Because I feel like we have all got used to being more introvert, being living in a safe space, and actually living in a little bit of fear as well of the unknown. But now that I feel like we are we are coming out of that stage, I feel like there will be this creative time for a lot of people in lots of different ways, not just just music. I mean, in general terms, that people are going to be like, do you know what? I couldn't do this before. I miss this so much. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to put myself out there. And like you say, be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's where the magic happens. That's where growth happens. And and that's what so many people talk about now. And, and I'm sure you talk about it in your job as a mentor and public speaking as well, that that's, that's where the, the change happens. And I think that piece of music is is such a good representation of that. It's so nice to hear that piece of music and that that it means so much to you personally, because that's making you feel probably that's showing your vulnerability. And I think people will take strength from that. So thank you for sharing it as well. So it's really, really strong when you hear people talk like that without getting too emotional about things this is where this is the last bit of the podcast where I tell you a song suggestion so I was really really struggled with this because I know that the songs you've chosen so some people choose songs for different reasons and actually these are very very specific to to memories for you to moments and and that's what makes them so special but so I kind of went for instead of going down the gritty I feel like you know everything there is to know about you know the music from Manchester the scene there the music from Oasis all that kind of stuff I've gone for a similar vibe in in terms of that kind of indie rock, but from LA. So we're going to LA. We've got two songs because I couldn't decide. We've got two rock bands who one is a very strong female lineup, uh, Haim. And then that's all about powerful women. That's all about, I feel like, them sort of plowing their own furrow, doing their own thing. And then we've got a brand new band, well, not brand new, but, you know, the last few years and now really making a name for themselves called Dirty Honey. Um, again, quite an exciting band. They're, I don't know if they're the kind of music you might choose to listen to, but I always try to bring something that's new with a little bit of something that you might like. So we're going to listen to Dirty Honey first um, and have a listen to some of their music. And we'll do that now and see what you think. Anyway, always keep your heart locked tight. 
So you got kind of a minimalistic prog rock kind of vibe, and then you got a classic LA with the California dreaming. But I feel like it was some some of the guitar stuff. This is where I just waffle because I know that people might not like it. So I'm just gonna shut up and you can tell me what you think. Absolutely <laughs> the opposite. Um the the California dreaming and dirty honey there, I I like that feel. I like that sound. And it reminded me very much um, before even the lyrics came in of um, it's got quite a Guns N' Roses-y kind of a feel, I, yeah. I thought. It feels um, a little bit too done for you now that we've spoken, I feel like. But I think the right ideas are there. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I love um, that kind of thing as, as, as much as I enjoy that kind of uh, British, you know, um, gritty feel. Um, it doesn't mean I'm put off by anything else, not in the slightest. And um, I, I like um, the the more like everything from classic rock right up to um, much more of that, that harder rock stuff. And I think that what you was playing with there is just starting to cross borders. Um, and uh, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. We can have a listen. And then Haim, yeah, as you say, you probably know that that's a pretty well-known piece of music, but I really like their vibe as a band I really love that they all play so many different instruments they grew up surrounded by music just like your childhood it sounds like you know just music everywhere they all play with different bands like you would do in sense of English rock bands in the you know everyone would play drums there and she'd play violin there and they might do that and she might sing and I I like that sort of thing about their group yeah absolutely and and that in itself you know um shows how how fluid you can be with with what you're doing and um and and that in itself, it screams confidence to me. Yeah, yeah, I'll come and do that with you. Yeah, I can play that kind of genre. I can I can bring myself around to to to, to play in that kind of style. And um, it means that you've got to be quite easygoing and relaxed because you're taking on different people's vibes and opinions all the time and the way that they might want to do stuff. So there's a lot of, a lot of being able to compromise in there, but you have to have so much confidence to be able to to do that as well and um, yeah a lot of respect for them well listen it's been such a such a joy to talk to you thank you for sharing all your lovely stories and music and life and i just wish you all the very best i know you're busy and things are going really well so i hope you go from strength to strength with presenting and I've, hopefully we'll cross paths but maybe not in a wheelchair rugby match because i'd be a bit scared but ah, thank you so much <laughs> you'd love it you'd love it i'll get you get you on the call we'll get you in a chair I'm very around. competitive. I'm very competitive, so it might not be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we'll put you on my team. We'll give ourselves a fighting yeah. chance. So <laughs> yeah. We'll be great. Thanks so, so much, Laura. I really enjoyed it. No pleasure. Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple Reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming Minnesota. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. Hold up. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.